You're listening to Poldark Podcast, episode 16. We're here to fill that Poldark-shaped hole in your life during the hiatus before season 3. And how do we do that, you ask? Well, with our season 1 recap, of course. This week we are covering everyone's favourite episode, 104, and also via our book club. We are continuing with our discussion of the Black Moon, so settle in, it's going to be a fun podcast. My name is Rita, I live in the UK, I blog at Princess of Polduck and tweet at Rita Bites. And I am Michelle, I live in the States, I blog at Poldark Muses, that's Poldark, M-M-M-U-S-E-S, and my Twitter handle is at Musings, M-M-M-U-S-I-N-G-S. This week we are missing a podcast gal. Delanda is off enjoying herself in London, seeing plays and meeting Rufus Sewell. Oh my god! Without We're us. not jealous at all. Oh my gosh, so jealous, so jealous. Uh, but we miss you, Delanda, and uh, look forward to having you back next week. So, Great. <laughs> time for our episode description. The episode begins with Sadie Sadie, married lady, <laughs> Demelza, strolling the cliffs of Nampara. With Garrick at sunset, she is barefoot. And I was wondering if that was a callback to the Elizabeth flashbacks. I don't know, but I suspect Ross has a little bit of a type. <laughs> uh, we then cut to Prudy and Judd. Turn right. Turn fair. Turn fit. Turn proper. Won't last. Won't work. Who does she think she is? Who do you think she is? Later that night, Demelza is kneading dough when Ross arrives home. While she is distracted, he takes a moment to watch his new bride at work. And the expression is sort of wistful, but also kind of sad, as if he doesn't really know how to take her new position in her life. But then, when she catches him watching, he saunters in and lays on some major flirty moves on her. (laughs) I just sometimes forget. That I live here. That I'm your wife. Well, let this be a reminder. <laughs> Why are you up so late? I have chores. Suppose I have other plans for you. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's Ross. And you can tell by all the giggling, they go to have some more sex. Get it, Demelza? Ooh, ooh. We're then treated to a post-coital scene with Demelza laying on Ross's chest. (sighs) Demelza is clearly still in shock about the whole marriage thing. Uh, She can't explain it to anyone because she doesn't really know how the hell it happened. Girl, it happened because your husband does a lot of things on a whim. (laughs) Like a lot. But anyway, Ross is insistent that it's not a secret. So the next day... Or who knows when, <laughs> Poldark time, mm-hmm. Ross is riding past a group of ladies, staring intently out at the sea. Time for some exposition. <laughs> the pilchards that the community relies on to get them through winter without starving are late this year. Mm-hmm. Over at Wheel Grambler, Francis is actually at work. Congrats, bro! <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, he is apparently getting harassed for wages, and consequently, he looks stressed and tired when he bumps into Ross. He is on the defensive. Who cares if he goes gaming and whoring? 
Um, I don't know, dude, but what about your wifey? <laughs> uh, Ross has the perfect opportunity to bring up his new wife. With such a wife, you cannot hope to have entry into any respectable gathering. You will cut yourself out of society, consign yourself to... A life of peace and seclusion? I must try to bear it as best I can. May I leave you to share the glad tidings at Trenwith? And over at Trenwith, Elizabeth is acting like she just found out Demelza has three heads. It does not compute. But Verity has a pleased smile on her face because she remains flawless. Yes, baby Verity. Mm-hmm. George and Carrie gossip like two old ladies about the news. <laughs> they cannot understand why anyone would lower themselves. But I suspect that George is secretly pleased that Ross has ruined his social standing. At the Red Lion, Ross discusses his new wife with Margaret. You know, that prostitute he slept with. Nothing strange about this at all. <laughs> She asks if he loves her, and Ross is totally blasé about it. We get on. Come on, Ross. Cinnamon Roll Verity is over the moon for Ross and writes him a letter congratulating him, (laughs) offering to call on them to offer her felicitations in person. Colin! Who has time to call? What do they mean by it? Colin. Colin. What? You've been giving me squinny eye ever since I got back from church. How else we men look? We don't rightly know who we're looking at. One minute she miss Skivvily Scullery Kitchen, mate. The next, she be Mistress Iron Mighty. Do we think it's not as strange to me as it is to you? Do we imagine that I ever looked for or, or expected it? Come to think of it, tis more your fault than mine. There'll be that then. Tis you who've raised me up and taught me all I know. So, if I'm fit for better than I'd hoped, play me cells for educating me. We? Educators? We made her what she is. She have we to thank for her. She still do all her chores. And most of yours. And it's better than taking orders from some fudgy-faced baggage with drop curls. Now, she may be new to being the mistress of Nampara, but Demelza has just managed to win the servants over in 20 seconds flat. Over at the mine, they have not struck copper, and Ross is worried that he's going to run out of capital before it happens. Cue a troubled-looking Ross in bed with Demelza. They're both naked, so you know they just had some sex. Mm-hmm. He rides into Truro. For another shareholders meeting, where the shareholders are uneasy, his early skirmishes with the law, his contempt at court, and now the marriage to Demelza all paint him as reckless and foolish. Several of them refuse to pour more money into the venture. All of them, except for Henshaw and Trenagloss, who provide the mine with enough capital to keep blasting. Despite the fact that his marriage just cost him money, when Ross gets home, he offers Demelza some gifts, a book to practice her letters and some ribbon for her hair. And she looks delighted at the trinkets. He mentions that he wrote to her father to tell him about the marriage and that her duty lay at Nampara. So it do, Ross. Nothing's changed. Nothing? I had to get less sleep. (laughs) Ross sneakily manoeuvres the conversation to how Demelza has not made an official visit to the mine. 
and she looks aghast. How would it look, she says, for a kitchen maid to give herself airs? But Ross is insistent that she goes first thing tomorrow. Meanwhile, over at Treadwith, Uncle Charles, who's still frail from his heart attack, is struggling to get on a horse while a poor valet tries to shove him on. Verity, Francis, and Elizabeth all watch on worriedly. Charles takes the opportunity to make another dig at Francis and insists that without him, Grambler will fall apart. He makes one more attempt before straining himself and collapsing like a debutante. Over at Leisure, Ross introduces future BFFs Demelza and Captain Henshaw. He is immediately smitten by her sass and her cute accidental curtsy. Psst, you don't have to do that anymore, Demelza. On the walk home, Demelza confesses that she was worried she would disgrace him. And as much as Ross tries to reassure her, she still doesn't feel like a lady. Which she might have a point about, because the next thing he knows, Ross is watching his wife screaming and running at Judd. The bastard stole her part. Mm -hmm. She throws herself through the air and brutally tackles him to the ground. (laughs) Now, she tries to strangle him, but has to be wrestled away by Ross. Spoil sport. Mm -hmm. He's like, girl, you can't tackle manservants when you're mistress of the house. We're just so hypocritical. Ross hits Judd all the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> Ross decides the only way to remind Demelza she is no longer a servant. And to be honest, I would question the validity of that statement because years into their marriage, Demelza is still doing the majority of the chores, is to hire a new kitchen maid. One Ross won't sleep with this time. Yes. <laughs> they kill two birds with one stone and decide on Ginny Carter. She seems pleased to serve them, and Demelza smiles awkwardly in return. So remember how Charles had another collapse? Well, Ross has to go visit him. He, of course, invites his wife to join him, but Demelza makes all kinds of excuses and runs away. We cut to Charles's sickbed, where Dr. Choke is being awful again and bleeding him. Because that's what you need when you're fragile. Blood loss. Swear to God. <laughs> Anyway, Charles seems to have lost his damn mind because suddenly everything is amusing. He is making jokes about Ross's marriage and Francis being worried Ross is going to steal Elizabeth from him. And it's all just awkward as hell. Charles laughs so much he strains his heart and has another attack. Serves him right, the asshole. The next scene is Ross waiting outside Charles's room. Out comes Francis looking heartbroken. He says Charles asked to see Ross. Like, wow, Charles, could you, like, maybe prioritize your son just the one time? Mm. Dude can't even die without crushing Francis' self-esteem. We both know Francis is not the man you are, Uncle. Look after him for me. Of course. And our family. And our good name. And then he dies. Good riddance. Mm -hmm. What kind of a father would use their last breaths to try and trash their son? He's just awful. Yeah. After the funeral, Francis and Ross talk. Francis admits he feels nothing but relief now that his father is gone. I don't blame him. Uh, Nothing Francis ever did was good enough for Charles. But now that Charles is dead, Francis is one of the most important men in the county. Demelza did not go to the funeral. 
and she explains to Ginny that it wasn't for the likes of her. It was for the fancy folk. She doesn't have a place anymore, and she feels trapped between classes. Neither gentry nor common. Back over at Trenwith, Verity finds Elizabeth up in her room. They're hosting the wake down in the parlour, and although neither of them feel up to it, one of them must play the hostess. And you bet your ass it's going to have to be Verity. Mm -hmm. The woman that isn't mistress of the estate, and who just lost their father. God. Elizabeth is so freaking selfish. Mm -hmm. What is Elizabeth thinking? Well, I'll tell you, she's thinking about Ross, of course. She noticed that Demelza didn't come. Verity is like, bitch, this isn't the time my father just died. But Elizabeth asks Verity to pass on her best wishes whilst looking all pale and teary-eyed. Christ, is her sense of perspective skewed or what? Just a tiny bit. Uh, back down at the gathering, Ross is cut by Dr. Choke. And not with the scalpel. Cut in the way that folks back then ignored one another. Ross doesn't feel too, or seem too heartbroken about it, and quite frankly, I wouldn't either. Uh, George then approaches him, and oh boy, prepare yourself. He tells Ross that he has figured him out. It delights Ross to thumb his nose at society, because he considers himself above the niceties with which it operates. Ross corrects him, by saying he doesn't feel that he is above society and the niceties. He's just indifferent to them. <laughs> Which I thought was an awesome response. But yeah, way to make friends, Ross. George, having watched Toke's interactions with Ross earlier, takes the opportunity to try and stir the damn pot up again. He offers to buy Choke's shares in Wheel Leisure. Nothing good will come of this. Time for a montage. Sots of women pensively watching the ocean and men mining. You see the ever so subtle parallel. They're both waiting for the mother load. Over at Nampara, Ross finds Demelza carrying a tiny amount of firewood and he freaks out at her. His wife is not to be a beast of burden. Where was that attitude in season two, huh? Come back to us, lovey-dovey Ross. We really, really miss you. After he gives Demelza a sweet kiss, he has some news for her. Guess who is coming to stay? Verity! Yahoo! Demelza looks terrified as he approaches her. And they sit down to lunch. Demelza is quiet and withdrawn as she listens to Verity and Russ discuss how life has changed at Trenworth following her father's death. Clue, lots of Elizabeth playing the harp. I mm -hmm. mean, it sounds tragic. Yeah. Verity, ever the sweetie pie, tries to draw Demelza into the conversation and compliments her baking. This pie is delicious, my dear. Did you bake it yourself? Custard. I'll go and see if it's set. She thinks you a great lady who will show me what a mistake I've made of marrying her. Oh, what can I do? I'm sure you'll think of something. Ross, no. Where are you going? You cannot just... Ross! <laughs> I, I love that clip so much. Oh my gosh, yes. Ross! <laughs> yep, Ross hauls ass and heads down to the mine. Long story short, 
They're having to blast the walls to find copper. Back at Nampara, Verity and Demelza are sitting around the fire doing needlework in awkward silence. Verity very sweetly tells Demelza how happy she is that Ross married her. At first, she thought Demelza would be a consolation to his hurt over Elizabeth, but she sees that it is not just that, that they have hope and joy and love. But Demelza interrupts. She doubts Ross would ever love her. They have a marriage based on kindness and attraction, but not love. And just like that, we've got two new BFFs. Verity, or Demelza asks Verity to teach her how to curtsy, which is so cute. And we cut to giggling and more cuteness as Demelza and Verity bond. Verity teaches Demelza to dance and to curtsy, how to lay a table, how to walk elegantly, and how to use a fan. It's just freaking adorable. Take me back to how cute that was. Later that night, and Ross and Demelza are getting ready to bed. Cue some semi-nudity again. (laughs) Yay, swoon. They discuss Verity's longing for blamey. Ross, having gone through the experience with Elizabeth, thinks it is best Verity stop pining away for him. Take your own advice, Ross. (laughs) But Demelza disagrees. Ross asks what she knows of love. And some flirty banter ensues. Mm-hmm. They're clearly still deep in the honeymoon, constantly banging stage. <laughs> Verity uh. takes Demelza into Truro to see a modiste. I smell a makeover coming. <laughs> On the sunset ride back to Nampara, Demelza confesses that she's pregnant to Verity, but that she hasn't told Ross yet. Back at the mine, they're running out of funds and only have one more blast left to find copper. On his ride home, the church bells start ringing. Men are waving tree branches around and it's anarchy as the villagers scramble to get down to the beach. It's pilchard time, y'all! <laughs> Ross rides home to get to Melza and they ride down to the cove where it's party time. Everyone is excited and happy as they gather pilchards into any available bucket or basket. It was a bumper swarm this year, more than a quarter million. Hooray! Ross and Demelza hold hands on their walk home. Every person they pass is deferential and Demelza comments on it. They like you. Nonsense. That's the truth. I should know. I'm one of them. You're a gent. You don't despise him. You help him. You give him food and work. He'll marry you. No, not that. They don't know what to make of that. But they like you just the same. And do you? Do you like me? I could learn to. And I you. Gosh, these two dorks are too much sometimes. I can't handle it. <laughs> it's now suddenly winter time. Holy <laughs> time jump back. <laughs> <laughs> and the mine still hasn't struck copper. And they desperately need more investment. Ross goes to see Pasco, but apparently Dr. Choke has been gossiping about how terrible an investment Ross is, mostly because of his marriage. And basically, the mine is screwed. 
<laughs> when he goes back to the mine to discuss this with Henshaw, he admits he was over hasty in his decision to marry Demelza. He didn't think about how it might impact his business. <laughs> wow. Ross Poldock not thinking things through? Who does that get? Anyway, <laughs> what's done is done, and so he tries to keep the mine going as long as possible. Until the week after Christmas, he doesn't want to ruin the holidays for them with unemployment. Bless him. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas time at Nampara, and the servants in Demelza are literally decking the halls with boughs of holly while singing carols. Demelza looks a little ill and runs out of the room. Morning sickness is a bitch. When she comes back, Ross is reading a letter from Francis, who has invited them over for Christmas. Demelza really doesn't want to go. She's worried they would look down on her. Well, not Verity, but definitely Elizabeth. Ross somehow makes this conversation about himself. To think I could admire someone who thought meanly of you. Uh, yes, dude, you totally would. Christ, is he idealized Elizabeth that much? Mm-hmm. Do you admire her? Elizabeth was born to be admired. And I was born to pull turnips. <laughs> Ross completely ignores Demelza's insecurities and instead of reassuring her, is like, well, we're going. What an ass. <laughs> As they approach Trentwith, Demelza looks visibly nervous. When she gets inside, she is intimidated by the grand scale of the house. Elizabeth arrives and looks slightly awkward for a moment before coming over and playing hostess, welcoming Demelza and showing her in to meet Aunt Agatha. Agatha is super intense, grilling her on where she's from and who she knows, and Demelza takes it like a champ until Agatha forces her to sit by Elizabeth to see how she measures up. This woman is cray. Poor Demelza. Elizabeth has a, the good sense to look aghast when she calls Demelza coarse, but Agatha says she'll polish up sufficiently when the need arises. <laughs> Just you wait, Aunt A. Everyone goes to get dressed for dinner. Over in Francis and Elizabeth's chamber, Francis is prowling the room. You think I don't know what you're about? Taking her under your wing, making her your friend. Francis. Oh, Ross. See how kind and generous I am? Look, what a pearl you've lost. I'm being ridiculous. Am I? In Ross and Demelza's room, a dress box arrives for Demelza. When Ross goes to open it, Demelza gets annoyed. Ross tells her not to fig herself up and then makes some careless remark about how she stuffs herself with food. <sighs> Dude. <laughs> he makes his way downstairs and sits by the fire with who, but of course it's Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Of course. He thanks her for being so kind to Demelza, but the conversation turns into a discussion of all of Frances's failings. God. Can she not see how that might be a terrible thing to discuss with Ross of all people? Of course not. Of course not. Back up in her room, Demelza is feeling faint and weak, and she can barely stand up. She goes to Verity for support while her husband is making moon eyes at his ex. There is a knock on the front door, and suddenly the family dinner turns into a far more formal affair, with George and Carrie Warleggen, Ruth and John Trenagloss in attendance. As they make their way to the table, 
Demelza makes an entrance, and she looks amazing. We're talking Hi. Beyonce at the Super Bowl level goddess status, y'all. <laughs> Everyone looks impressed. Most of all, Ross. At dinner, Demelza holds her own and gets half the men at the table fawning all over her, and she has a reply for each of Ruth's cutting remarks. But morning sickness strikes her again, and she's forced to go back upstairs to puke. Poor D. <laughs> when she comes down again, Elizabeth is playing her harp. Snooze. <laughs> Ruth takes the opportunity to humiliate Demelza further and ask her to sing. And although shy, she eventually complies. I'd pluck a fair rose for my love. I'd pluck a red rose blowing. Love's in my heart, a trying so to prove what your heart's knowing. I'd pluck a finger on a thorn. I'd pluck a finger bleeding. Red is my heart, a wounded and forlorn. And your heart needing. I'd hold a finger to my tongue. I'd hold a finger waiting. My heart is sore until it joins in song. We Ross looks at her like she has literally hung the moon as she sings, and it finally occurs to him that he loves her. About time, dude! After Francis bids his guests goodbye, he and Ross share a glass of port. He basically tells Ross not to envy him, that Demelza is the real prize. Yes, Ross, listen to Francis! When Ross goes back upstairs for the night, he finds a sleeping Demelza in bed and whispers reverently, Merry Christmas, my love. Ross, that's so sweet, but you might want to tell her that when she's awake. Okay? <laughs> On their walk home, Demelza and Ross walk past Wheel Leisure, when a bell suddenly starts chiming. When they run towards the mine, they discover everyone celebrating. They struck a bell! Everyone embraces, including Ross and Demelza. Yay! It's a Christmas miracle. Miracle! Back in bed that night, Demelza asks how she did, and Ross, instead of actually answering the question, goes off on a tangent. He asks her why she thinks he married her. She's like, how well would I know? You do weird shit all the time. <laughs> to such fine appetite. To save myself from being alone. This was the right thing to do. I had few expectations. At best, you'd be a distraction. A bandage to ease a wound. 
But I was mistaken. You've redeemed me. I am your humble servant. And I love you. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm trying not to cry, but that was just beautiful. Uh, see, when he tries, he knows exactly what to say. Demelza looks very moved, but she has an announcement to make of her own. She's pregnant. They grin at each other, and the episode ends with a tender kiss. Oh. The end. Episode discussion time. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite scene? <laughs> well, it is uh, stupendously hard for me to pick a favorite in this episode. Hell, I wrote a 55,000 word fic about everything that transpired <laughs> during this six month period of their lives. Uh, but I think my all time favorite is Demelza's sheer triumph at that dinner at Trenwith. Uh, despite the nerves and insecurities, she shows us what a strong, courageous young woman she is. And she clearly dazzles Ross in the process. I get a real kick out of the scene where Ross asks Demelza if she likes him. Mm -hmm. I think that was. I think that was what kind of hinted at his growing feelings for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, just that he was seeking reassurance for the obvious means he's starting to care about the answer a lot. Yeah. And Demelza blowing it off and making a joke was really cute. <laughs> so cute, these yeah. dogs. I also really love the scene where Ross makes Demelza hire a new kitchen maid because <laughs> Eleanor's body language is so funny. <laughs> oh my god, she's so stiff, fake polite. You can see how nervous she is. And um, also shout out to the montage of Demelza learning the superficial tricks of being a lady. <laughs> it's like a montage you would see in a chick flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the movie. It's like, I think it's 27 Dresses, where, oh, yeah. Yeah, where uh, the, the main character is trying on all the bridesmaid dresses that she's worn at all of her friends' um, weddings. Uh, that, that montage really reminded me of uh, that movie a lot. Also, like, um, have you seen the movie Gigi? Yes. Um, yes. When Laurent is teaching um, Gigi how to be a courtesan. Like yes. Ever. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It was just, that's just so cute. I this, The whole episode is just. It's like period drama rom-com. Yes. 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 Everything that I could ever, ever want in a period drama packed into one episode takes place in that episode. It's it's just fantastic. Yeah. Let's see. So, um, you know, and as we've been talking, you know, why is this episode universally loved? Um, you know, and, and I think we've started to chat about that. You know, for those of us that do love romantic stories, it hits all the buttons. Uh, discovery, attraction, development of the relationship, uh, overcoming obstacles, you know, it is start to finish chock-a-block full of romance. And by the time we get to the end of this episode, we are at the precipice uh, for their relationship. It is it has become this, this love match that neither of them had expected, but now they're both uh, very pleased to, to have as part of their lives. And it's not to say that it's all downhill from there, <laughs> um, but you know, as every relationship uh, 
grows and develops, there are events and, and situations that arise and will challenge the strength of the relationship. We get an, a glimpse of those challenges in episodes five through eight of the first season, but we are deluged by them throughout season two. Agreed. And I think it's handled really well when you think about the relationship compared to the books. This section in the book is a huge chunk of the first novel, and Debbie managed to condense it Mm -hmm. down to an hour, which is quite tricky, but I feel like they covered every single angle. Yeah. And they created some new scenes that I love. And I think what appeals to me is that the main tension of the episode is just their relationship. Yeah. It's the A-plot. And very few of the other episodes have focused on their relationship so extensively. Yeah. Um, and it's the real strength of the series. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. This is the foundation on which the rest of the series grows. Let's see. So, uh, when do you think Ross fell in love with Demelza? Um, in the book, uh, it's actually during the pilchard scene. Uh, and one of the interesting things about it is, you know, during the, the show version, you know, he doesn't admit his love for Demelza until Christmas. So it's six months after they've married. Um, but in the book, the pilchard scene takes place in August, I think it is. And so... Yeah, it's they, about six weeks. <laughs> yeah, they've only been married a few weeks uh, before Ross finally, you know, uh, discovers that he loves Demelza. Um, you know, he... But in the show, he comments on how everyone is happy tonight. And that includes him as well. You know, after so many years of struggle and emotional misery over Elizabeth, he's happy with his life and with this this new woman in his life he realizes what he feels is love finally after Demelza sings him that song I mean, she is singing it to him um, and I I love the interaction between the two of them that takes place while she's singing and I, interesting thing to note that scene was the very first scene that uh, they that Eleanor filmed for the show and it shows the strength of the uh, chemistry that she and Aiden have uh, with one another as actors uh, for them to be able to convey that level of emotional feeling uh, in that scene when it's the first thing that she's filmed with him. So I, I just, I, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Um. I think it's really hard to tell, to be honest, because I don't think Ross even knows. Yeah. I think he might have loved her almost immediately after marrying her, but that his self-awareness and his ability to analyse himself is pretty poor. (laughs) All his actions and the way he treats her previously would certainly indicate love. I mean, he thinks about her all the time and he buys her little gifts and he encourages her to embrace being the mistress of Nampara and he wants her to step outside of her comfort zones because I think he wants the best for her and he wants her to be happy and things like that aren't done out of anything but love. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Uh, Ross, if only you knew you the way the Melza knew you. Yeah, and the way the rest of us know you. Um, You know, it's, it is... You're absolutely right. You know the the poor the poor child just really has some 
bad self analyzation skills. <laughs> um, but you know, it is it is lovely to see that relationship uh, grow and develop. And I think one of the things that someone had, <clears throat> excuse me, someone had mentioned to me once was how Demelza doesn't touch Ross in those moments of intimacy. You know, he is the one that is always, you know, uh, going and reaching for her or holding her. Her hands are are usually uh, down at her sides or, or held away from him because, you know, the the she's not certain of what his feelings are for her and, and whether what she feels for him, which is, you know, love that has grown over the years and has now manifested itself into this uh, romantic, passionate love that she has for this man. She's not really sure whether she should express that yet or not. And so I think it's interesting to look at how she is kind of grabby <laughs> in season two, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially in the first um, episode where, you know, she is reaching for him and holding on to him. And it, it, it shows that how their relationship has changed um, from her not really knowing how she should express uh, her affection and love for her husband uh, to after he tells her that he loves her, um, she feels comfortable in, in holding him and touching him. And I think it's also telling that he kind of needs that reassurance. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's even like asking her if she likes him and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think before he, was, he just didn't care if she liked him mm -hmm. and now he's constantly looking for assurance like are you happy mm -hmm. are you are, they, are you working too much what's going on like <laughs> men don't do that unless they love you yeah so cute yeah <laughs> so do you think elizabeth elizabeth befriended demelza for the reason francis said yes without question yes uh, I also think so too, but a lot of people in fandom act like Francis is paranoid and bitter in that scene. And yeah, he is, but people with nothing to lose often start speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. And the way she took the opportunity of being alone to complain to Ross about Francis is very, very suspect. She was really shady this entire episode, and it's really weird because it was the first time I'd rewatched it mm -hmm. since season two and mm -hmm. all those events. But when you watch back, in hindsight, she looks so much sneakier. <laughs> <laughs> she really does. She really does. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's this, you know we're gonna be as we get into episode five, we're gonna start getting into the whole you know is Elizabeth uh, being genuinely friendly with Demelza and wanting to be helpful or, it, or does she have other motives uh, involved? Um, I think that, that it will be interesting to watch uh, the coming episodes since having experienced season two. Um, I have not watched uh, this series uh, this is the first time I've watched the series since seeing season two, and so I'll, I'll be very interested to to see what my reaction will be to Elizabeth uh, going forward. So let's get on to messages. Yeah, y'all. Uh, the first one is from Anonymous. They said, enjoyed the podcast. I think Ross did feel a little ashamed after having sex with Margaret. Like, what have I done? 
now. <laughs> <laughs> the black moon in the black moon in season three might begin with January time because Liz is still pregnant. It ended October in the series, but book it was Xmas. I think he regretted having sex with her, but I don't think he was deeply ashamed about it. Like when I eat chocolate cake on I'm on a diet. That's a mistake, but I don't, like, beat myself up about it because it's not that big of a deal. And I feel like that was Ross. He's like, probably shouldn't have done that. As long as I don't do it again, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie's pregnancy is really confusing because the show's timeline is so messed up. Mm-hmm. Because the book had the incident take place in May, but who knows when, when the, sh- like, are we sure that the season finished in October? I don't know. Where are we getting that date from? Because it really should have been Christmas if yeah. we're supposed to keep up with the books. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I the agree. books are very specific with the years and mm-hmm. the dates and the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if we're trying to keep up with, like, the freaking war in France next season. Yes, because that is going to be a, a key piece during uh, season three. So, you know, I, I agree. It, it really wasn't clear that the, the show ended in October. Um, you know, it, it, I think in the show, uh, Elizabeth says something about uh, March uh, for the due date for the baby, uh, you know, before Aunt Agatha plants the, the seed in her head about, uh, are you sure it's not, it, <laughs> it's George's? Um and so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they keep to the, the timeline that they have in the books. But, you know, who knows? Poldark time on TV is... is... She thinks it's March in the books because, like, that makes sense because it was in May. Like, mm-hmm. but, like, the timing is different in the series now. Why are they using, the, like, the date from the book in yeah, the I TV know. show when they've changed it? I know. Oh, I, I just, I, I can't. I just can't. I just can't with these people. <laughs> uh, let's see. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see. The next one was an anonymous um, post. Podcast was good today. Ross thought about Elizabeth every time he saw her. You know, remember Julia's christening. He was fantasizing about wanting them both when he was talking to Verity. All those years and once he had her, he no longer wanted her. He couldn't find the equal to Demelza. I think Ross tends to forget about Elizabeth until she is like right in front of him, like right there in the room. Mm -hmm. In part because he doesn't really love her like that. And it's just an attraction based on nostalgia, and in part because Elizabeth makes sure to respark the dying flame whenever she has the opportunity. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it it and that is that is really kind of her fatal flaw is that she cannot uh, be without Ross's admiration in some way, shape, or form, uh, and and uh, it winds up, you know, manifesting itself. You know, as we all know, it does in series two. Boo. Let's see. Anonymous. Uh, Do you know any way to get the season two DVD of Poldark with the episode 10 commentary in the U.S. format? I can't find it anywhere. Is there even such a thing available? No. You have to buy the UK DVD to get the commentary track. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that the BBC and PBS use different distributors or something, but... 
if you can buy a multi-regional dvd player a lot of laptops can play both regions and then just order the uk one on amazon it's not that expensive yeah. if you're really dying to see it yeah it's worth it i mean i think that someone had posted it on youtube at some point but i believe it was taken down uh, you know, because obviously, because, you know, it's copywritten material, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I have a region-free DVD player that I'm trying to sell. So uh, if you're interested... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Just buy yours. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you are, if anybody's interested, uh, feel free to, to drop a note in the Ask box or uh, in on Twitter. Drop us a DM at the, at pod, at whole dark podcast and uh, i'll be happy to get in touch with you about what the what i'm looking for so last question anonymous why do you think elizabeth decided to marry francis when given the opportunity oh when given the opt-out option by francis also do you think ross might not have gone to see elizabeth on that fateful night if demelza had broken down in tears when Ross got mad and yelled at Demelza during the blue dress scene, she started to cry, and he immediately tried to soothe her. Good observation. Um, I think Elizabeth decided to marry Francis because he was objectively the better option for her. He's kind, and he was rich, and he loved her, and crucially, he was emotionally available. Ross hadn't bothered to see her, and she didn't even really know he was an option for her anymore. So I think it was a good decision. I think Elizabeth's folly was when she started to doubt her decision, because it drove Frances away and ruined her marriage. And honestly, I feel like Ross is beyond reason, and crying wouldn't have stopped him going to see Elizabeth, because like, locked doors didn't even stop him that night. Like, yeah. He was going there. Yeah. He, he was completely ir irrational and enraged uh, by that letter uh, the night that um, Elizabeth sent him the note regarding her engagement. Personally, I think Elizabeth uh, knew precisely what was going to happen when she sent that letter and when he read it. Um, I think she was counting on that to happen. Uh, but, you know, I, I know that... that you know, this is something that has been, you know, wildly debated amongst the fandom uh, since that episode aired, since, you know, those of us that have read the book, um, you know, read that scene. Um, you know, Elizabeth was not uh, unaware of the animosity between uh, Ross and George, and I think she knew exactly what he would wind up doing, that he would he would be outside of reason and would wind up going to her. So thanks again for all of the, the asks. Uh, please know you can send us an ask at, at our ask box on the Poldark podcast Tumblr page anytime about any question uh, regarding the show, uh, either season one or two or uh, the books, and we'll be happy to chat about them. But we are about to go into our book club section. So if you would like to remain spoiler free for season three and you haven't read The Black Moon and want to avoid the discussion, we advise you to stop listening right now. Uh, so uh, goodbye and we will see you next week. Thanks again for all of your support. Uh, we really appreciate it. Goodbye. Bye, guys.
Okay, so now, into the book club. We are discussing The Black Moon, book one, chapters 11 through 12, and book two, chapters one through five. What has continued to pique your interest in the story? I think all of us are loving the Drake Morwenna storyline, and they really need a shipping name, people, so send us your suggestions. I, I am really horrible at doing the mashups on these things, uh, but I would love to hear kind of how y'all figure out <laughs> how, to, how to get their little ship name put together. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure them out in my head, and it's really confusing. It's really hard. I mean, Morwenna is right? not an e yeah. Morwenna is right? not an easy name to kind of put together with Drake. So, Drawenna. Draw. Draw. Uh. Yeah. So. Drawenna. <laughs> Damn it, Morwenna. I know. Um, but I, I, I will say that Morwenna is a um, beautiful name. It's a it and it is a Cornish name. I can't remember what it means, but I was looking up Cornish names uh, last night. It was on the list. Uh, let's see. Uh, All roads lead to the kitchen. Uh, said that one of the the things that has piqued her interest in the story is the quest to find out if D Dwight is still alive, which he is. Hooray! Uh, she's also surprised that there hasn't been a mention about the possibility of Valentine being Ross's child. Uh, maybe there's a difference in that story between the book and the show. Not sure since I haven't read any of the earlier books in the series. Oh, and along those lines, Aunt Agatha and Ross seem to be a lot more fond of each other in the books than the show as well. Um, I think that we really haven't had a chance to see Ross and Aunt Agatha interacting very much on the show. Uh, and I'm l really looking forward to seeing how they depict the interaction between Ross and Aunt Agatha during his uh, sneaky visits to Trenwith during the, the Christmas halls uh, while George and Elizabeth are, are off at Truro. Uh, but we do have a chance to see some of that closeness when towards the end of season two, when Ross goes back to Trenwith for the first time to, to meet with George, he sees Aunt Agatha and invites her to come and stay at Nampara. You know, it's clear that he has great care for Aunt Agatha. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it'll be nice to see that uh, grow uh, in Series 3. I hope that, I hope that they do that. Um, as far as the question regarding Valentine being Ross's child... Uh, we're, not really that that's not really until later yes in the series and yeah. i kind of like how it's played out in the books better than in the show me too because i feel like they they tipped their cards too early mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think also in real life there would be an air of uncertainty especially in the days before like paternity tests and television shows yeah um so i just thought i was kind of disappointed that that was like a thing yeah, me too. Me too. Because, yeah, it was kind of like they, they spoiled uh, what y'all will see in the book um, that when we get to the end of Black Moon, uh, they, they've they really missed an opportunity. And that's that's all I'll say about that because I want you guys to be surprised by it when you, when you get to the, the end of the book. 
Um, it also makes a lot of Elizabeth's actions way more duplicitous mm-hmm. in, the, in the show now. It's like, mm-hmm. she's really misleading George here. Yeah. Like, I think in the in the books, like, she's just raising a child. She doesn't know who the father is, but it could have been George's. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah. Let's see. Um, and BPAC67... Uh, notes the deepening relationship between Caroline and Ross and Demelza. Uh, the glimpses that we get into the marriages of Ross and Demelza and Elizabeth and George. And I have to agree with her. I mean, it's it's been very interesting to see how uh, each of these couples relate to one another uh, as we move through the, the story in The Black Moon. I kind of really enjoy reading the Elizabeth and George scenes. Mm-hmm. I think, like, when I think back on the Francis and Elizabeth scenes, certainly as we're rewatching season one. The contrast between Elizabeth's relationship with George and that with Francis, I think she's a much better fit with George. Yes. Like there's some they're terrible people, but they just work together. Yep. There is something sort of like dysfunctional about it that works. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. So in terms of sorry, my voice just went really squeaky. <laughs> You, so in terms of new characters, who is your favourite new character introduced to the Poldark Saga in the Black Moon Book 1, Chapter 11 to 12, and Book 2, Chapter 1 to 5, that you found intriguing, and why, and are your previous faves still your faves? How has their character grown? BPAC67 said, the only character of note that was introduced was Ozzy Whitworth, and he is certainly not a favourite. Oh, God. No. Not at all. Pompous, arrogant, foppish the asshole. Worst, he's, he's the like, worst. He's the worst. He's like a combination of all the other unlikable characters, like in one. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. And I think, you know, the, the, the fact that he is thinking about this marriage to Morwenna, uh, you know, not only addressing the need that he has for um, another mother to care for his children, but just the level of lust that he is contemplating um, as he thinks about this, this uh, match that he has made with this young, uh, innocent, young girl, uh, it, it, it just makes my skin crawl. Makes my skin crawl. I'm literally doing the, like, the shiver right Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's just absolutely horrible. And I think it's a universal, universal heartbreak over this arranged marriage with Morwenna. And um, we saw a tiny clip of him in the like three seconds of him in the trailer for yes. season three yes so as you're reading try to imagine that creepy guy <laughs> ew ew all roads lead to the kitchen said and i'm looking forward to see what happens with drake learns when drake learns the news i'm guessing or hoping that it opens up a whole new battle in the poldark relagan war be careful what you wish for yes yes <laughs> Just... do do be careful See, uh, can you pick out a passage that strikes you as particularly profound or interesting? Please share it and why. Uh, All roads lead to the kitchen. Uh, said that she loved the scene in chapter twelve where Caroline visits Demelza. 
and she thought it was a real building block in their relationship. Uh, Love the fact that Caroline wants to go into the kitchen with Demelza instead of sitting in the parlor like a naughty girl. Mm. (laughs) Uh, I would love to see this scene in the show, especially when Caroline is asking Demelza about kneading the bread and helping her slide the tray in the oven. This is the friendship I want to see blossom as opposed to the one I talk about in just a little bit. And I know exactly what you are referring to. Uh, She also said that she found all the talk of religion pretty interesting. And I did too. Um, You know, this is the second time I've gone, I've read, quote read, The Black Moon since I'm listening to the audiobook. And I have found it very interesting uh, to hear about how religion uh, was affecting this part of the world at that time and and just how it winds up uh, being introduced into families and the characters and the storyline. I found it really, really interesting. I also found it, like, um, when I go down to Cornwall and you drive around, you see loads of Methodist churches. Mm. So having read the books now, I'm now like, I kind of get why this is a thing here. Um, yeah. yeah. So thank you for teaching me again, Winston. Mm-hmm. Your fountain of knowledge. Yes. See, BPAC uh, 67 uh, picked the one that I know is, is my favorite. I, and it's, um, it's, it's my favorite because it's just, you know, just tears at that romantic part in my heart. Um, the conversation between Marwenna and Drake uh, following her return to Trendwith after she's been informed by Elizabeth and George of her arranged marriage to Ozzie Whitworth. Uh, Drake's expression to her of the depths of his feelings and her true feelings coming through despite all of her efforts to suppress them. Despite the reality of being faced with this arranged marriage that she is seemingly powerless to get out of, the conversation is beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. These months, said Drake, these months I've thought of naught else. Working, eating, praying, sleeping. You've never been absent. You're everything in the world. Day and night, sun and moon. Without you, tis nothing. Nothing. I think she said that you should go. Tell me then. Look at me and tell me to go. I have told you. But not looking at me, so I can see the truth in your eyes. The truth? Oh, what is that? I am just saying that you should leave me. And I can't believe the words till I know what's in your heart. She half choked. The heart, Drake? Do you suppose that this has anything to do with the heart? That's not the way, this is not the way the world works. But because we are in the world of it, we have to keep to its its rules and laws. If you don't know that already, you must learn. That's not what I'm waiting to learn. It's all I can tell you. No, that is not all, Morwenna. Just just look at me. Just show me your heart and tell me to go. She hesitated and then turned, her eyes blind with tears. Don't go, Drake. At least not yet. Oh, Drake, please don't go. <laughs> oh, the tragedy. Of it it really is. It really is. It just, it, it rips at my heart every time I, I read it or I hear it. It's just so... F- Flippin' heartbreaking. Okay. 
What is the storyline that has held your attention and why? BPAC67 said the progression of Drake and Morwenna's relationship, the deepening of their feelings for one another and the impediments to the relationship. An all-road lead to the kitchen said, well, she put it beautifully, I think that it's risky and who can resist the fierceness of first love? Yeah. I mean, that's lovely. The fierceness of first love. It's it's something that is. <sighs> it's a huge theme in mm-hmm. Poldark in general because, obviously, Ross is Demelza's first love, and Ross and Elizabeth have the stupid first love that they can't <laughs> get over, and like it it's um it's constant throughout the books. I think even in some of the later ones, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Um, goodness. What what has held your attention, by the way? Like, is it still is it Drake and Moana's relationship? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that that is something that that continues to to kind of keep me in there, just because I I am such a romantic at heart. Um, I also love the relationship that is building between uh, Ross, Caroline, and Demelza. Um. And, uh, so cute. That's my it, face. It, it, it really is. But I know that that's something that has been bothering folks. So, um, you know, well, let's let's go ahead and dive into that, too. Uh, the, you know, the next question that we had was, is there anything in the story that has bothered you? And I think BPAC, there are some things that she would have liked to have seen written in the book. Um, those things being uh, hearing Caroline's reaction to Ross telling her Dwight was alive and a prisoner. And then also when Clowance uh, was born, uh, what were Ross and Demelza's immediate reaction on having another daughter? Uh, I think that I, I think that both of them are going to be kind of thrilled, thrilled about having another girl. Uh, it's clear yeah. that Ross wants another girl because he keeps saying that throughout the, the book. You yeah. know, when she first, when Demelza first tells him that she's pregnant you know he says i you know i hope it's a girl uh when demelza and ross are going to that dinner party and she says she feels like she is more self-assured because she's carrying uh his son or his child uh you know ross says well then it must be a girl so i i think that that it's it's clear that that ross wants a daughter and i'm i'm guessing he'd be over the moon about it how about you well Ross is a bit of a ladies man so I think he's like he is like when you think about how he's close to like Verity and so I just think he's like pleased so cute yeah me too so cute with little girls me too oh my god I can't wait for Clarence to be there and then like hold her little hand anyway okay stop I'm gonna chill Getting excited about Ross being a father is sort of a moot point because he never goes near the kids. Oh, I oh. hope I hope that that changes a little bit. I really do. Since you know he's, since they they have weathered through the the loss of Julia, um, I think I'm I'm hoping. I'm he hoping wasn't even really around Julia though. Like, well, yeah, not in the book. Uh, I mean, or not in the show. I think he was more present during the in the books. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there are going to be some other things that, that wind up uh, dragging his attention away from, from the fam. Uh, but, you know, that's that's for later. 
let's let's go ahead and dive into the thing that is uh, bothering um, a lot of people. We had a number of folks that commented about this, uh, and it's the 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 thing that's happening between Ross and Caroline. Uh, all roads lead to the kitchen. Wrote, you know, I thought Caroline and Demelza were going to be close, but instead. Caroline is half in love with Ross and Ross is half in love with Caroline. Feels icky to me. I can see both of them sort of flirting and being a little too close for comfort. I don't know how Demelza is so calm and matter of fact about it. I'd be shooting fire. This was obviously written by a man. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I don't like I didn't have this strong of a reaction so I'm confused by these comments. (laughs) I keep think, going. <laughs> there yeah, no. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, we'll, do, we'll keep going with the, the comments. Um, there, the, the, the concerns uh, about this relationship are also how it'll wind up being depicted in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Anonymous uh, sent us an ask, uh, book two, chapter three, concerns her uh, or him uh, for Ross to say to Demelza that he's more than half in love with Caroline. Demelza is still insecure and worried that she's not a proper wife after childbirth. I love that that section in the book as well when she, when Demelza is telling Ross how she has to fulfill several different roles oh, within the so context nice. of marriage. I mean, I thought that that was a, that was a great great conversation and um, Demelza was such a little feminist. For reals, for reals. Um, you know, and and Ross does try to do his best to reassure her that what he feels for Caroline is not what he feels for um, Demelza, and it's not what he thought he felt about Elizabeth. Um, but you know, I'm I'm hoping that there'll be some way to 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 try and get that clear. Uh, but the the person that submitted this said that you know the show might not even show this. Um, Caroline and Demelza don't seem suited as friends in the show, what? but so far they have hardly spoken. Well, when you think about it, that's the truth. Uh, the interactions between Caroline and Demelza in the show have been fairly limited. Um, there have been kind of looks at one another from across rooms and things like that. Uh, we had one, um, you know, face-to-face interaction between the two women in season two. Uh, so I think... But based... I don't know if that's a fair assumption that they won't be suited. Exactly, exactly. I think that that they will be, um, they will be great friends, and I think a lot of that will develop through this um, concern and worry about Dwight and and where he is. That their their friendship will really become uh, solid and 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 strong. I'm hoping, hope, hope, hope that what Demelza sees happening um, in Ross and Caroline's friendship is something that will begin to give her uh, a little bit more confidence in Demelza's place in Ross's heart. Um, Because, you know, it is entirely possible to have a a deep, loving relationship with um, another couple. friend. um, And, you know, to... it's entirely possible to to admire the same trait about uh, your friend's spouse that drew your friend to that person. It doesn't mean that you're going to act on it and like jump on top of them. the 
this kind of feeds into why I think they're well suited as friends. Mm-hmm. I think Demelza and Caroline both have very similar qualities in their like warmth and their affection for people. Mm-hmm. They display it slightly differently given their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But I think the the things that he is attracted to in Demelza as a wife and as a life companion are qualities that he appreciates in Caroline as a friend. Mm-hmm. I think. It yeah. makes like sense to me. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. that made more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that you know, there's the the comment about you know Ross liking the taste of Caroline's skin and Caroline going with Ross to see Aunt Agatha that first time. Um, you know, Ross knows how delicate Demelza still is over his betrayal. Uh, Caroline fancies Ross, and he likewise. It intrigues me how Demelza and Caroline will become friends in the show. Because Demelza said to Ross, she just took a fancy to you in episode 10. You know, unless Demelza changes, I don't think she will suggest to Ross uh, for Caroline yeah. to go with him to see uh, on Agatha. We will see. I, 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 I think that, that it'll be, it will indeed be interesting how they wind up um, uh, depicting how this friendship between the, the three of them uh, is manifesting itself in the show. But then I like the thing is I also see a kind of intense bond between Demelza and Dwight. Yeah, yes. And so it's like I don't have a problem with the way Demelza treats Dwight. So I kind mm-hmm. of I can't then say the way that Ross and Caroline interact there's a problem with it because it would be kind of hypocritical because yeah. there's already this like closeness yeah. in one half of the relationship, so yeah, I mean, we saw that we saw that during season two. I mean, they were they yeah. there were so many moments where the two of them were just being all kind of flirty and sweet and carrying on and you know and that lived kind for of thing. it. <laughs> what was that? I lived for it. it oh so my great. god, it was it was wonderful. <laughs> so um, you know, anyhow, and, and you know, there there is a another part of me that you know, if I had if I had an OT four, it would be these two yeah. characters, these four characters. Uh, Ross Demelza, uh, Dwight, and Caroline. I also think that um, people are sort of overestimating how insecure Demelza will feel in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is still a part of her that will always remember what happened. Mm-hmm. But I think like the only way their relationship can move forward is if she lets that stuff go. Mm-hmm. And so... You like you remember it, but you also have to stop, like letting it hold you back in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And the, I just think that when things like this happen between Ross and Caroline, her first thought is probably going to be that she should trust her husband, mm-hmm. and not oh my god, I should be suspicious something's going to happen with them because yeah. like that just undermines your relationship. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Good talk. Um, right. Yeah. Let's see. Is the story plot or character driven? Do events unfold quickly or is more time spent developing characters' inner lives? And does it make a difference to your enjoyment? Uh, BPAC67 finds that the story is a mixture of plot and character. Uh, The pacing of the events, uh, for the most part, is fine. And, um, you know, she's she's feeling fine with the enjoyment of her uh, reading the book. All Roads Lead to the Kitchen says that she feels it's character-driven. We get so many inner thoughts, struggles, and monologues, and also uh, the same between characters. 
Uh, I think that this is this is a such a great book in having that balance between the the things that are happening in time uh, and the things that are driving the the plot forward. But you know, we have so many opportunities, as uh, Allroad said, to to hear that inner monologue, the the struggles and 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 thoughts that are taking place within the characters. It's it's really terrific. I I have really enjoyed this book. I also think it's kind of interesting that um, a lot of the plot-driven elements are actually done by the Demelzer or Ross, and then mm-hmm. all the side characters, as you're introduced to them and their perspectives, you get more monologues mm-hmm. and insight into their inner lives. But you already know Demelzer and Ross, so it's mm-hmm. just like you just get like one sentence: Demelzer <laughs> and Ross had a baby, and then Ross went to France, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you need to know. You're like, okay, I can imagine how that happened. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm I'm really enjoying the book. Uh, we did ask if there was anything that we could do to make the book club more engaging. Uh, everybody has said that we're doing good, so I'm Yay. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that this is is going as as well as it is, um, and have uh, really appreciated uh, those of you that have have commented and have given us uh, your feedback. We would love to hear more from those of you that are listening. And, uh, you know, if you if, if you have a, a way that you would prefer sharing your information and your feedback about the, the show, uh, feel free to drop us a DM on Twitter at uh, Pull Dark Podcast, and we'll be more than happy to include your, your feedback and comments there. Uh, you know, we know that not everybody uses Tumblr, so whatever we can do to make it easier, let us know. Uh, yeah. And what chapters are we reading this week? Uh, we are going to cover book two, uh, chapters six through eight, and book three, chapters one through three. So we will definitely get that up on to Tumblr and uh, tag it on Twitter as well so that you'll have that reference uh, to, to continue your reading. And um, yay! This it's it's some good stuff. So uh, I really look forward to hearing some of the feedback that you give us about the the coming chapters. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Lots of white stuff. Oh wait, I've completely forgot where we are. <laughs> <laughs> there's some Is interesting. Th- there's some interesting stuff that happens with Drake, and um, that's really all I'm gonna say. Ooh. Okay. It's like really good that I've forgotten half. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. It's, it makes it more interesting when you read back because you're like, I forgot that happened. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's it, folks. That is the podcast for this week. Uh, thanks so much for everyone listening and supporting us. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, the ask box is always open at pulldarkpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> or you can tweet us at Podcast. Remember, we will be back next week discussing episode 1.5 and the book club chapters, book 2, chapters 6 through 8, and book 3, chapters 1 through 3. So goodbye, have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye, guys. Right.
right in the middle of a good dream Like all at once I wake up From something that keeps knocking at my brain Before I go insane I hold my pillow to my head And spring up in my bed Screaming out the words I dread I think I love you This morning I woke up with this feeling I didn't know how to deal with And so I just decided to myself I'd hide it to myself And never talk about it And did not go and shout it When you walked into the room I think I love you I think better still, I'd better stay around 